0: All right. Good evening. Welcome to the PSI Monthly Teleseminar. My name is Kat, and I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSI Seminars, welcome to the call. Uh, PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for the last 40 years. And each month on these calls, we explore tools and techniques from the PSI Basic course as a resource for your ongoing self-improvement. All of the PSI classes are designed to support you in your own personal transformation as you create the life of your dreams. And the topic for our call tonight is transformation. We have hundreds of people on the line here, and we will get to as many questions as we can. And first, I would like to introduce your speaker for this evening, Marshall Thurber. Marshall's known worldwide for his work in the personal development realm. As well as his entrepreneurial successes, business leadership, and philanthropy, he co-founded the Berkeley Business School in Vermont with the goal of teaching global principles of cooperation and abundance, and the contextual principles of the Human Potential Movement.
1: Cat, can I? Yes. Cat, this is Jane Wilhite, can I introduce the speaker tonight? Because yes, this speaker is the, he is the king of transformation. He is just—he um, was just up at High Valley Ranch, and he did a week-long seminar that just blew the socks off of everybody. He has—he's the, the mentor to everybody that you listen to: Mark Victor Hansen, Tony Robbins, um, Jack Canfield. Everyone, um, everybody sees him as the as the big teacher, the teacher of teachers. And I know he's going to be wonderful tonight. And I really appreciate it, Marshall, that you've taken the time out to speak to our graduates. So take it away there, Mr. Marshall
2: Thurber. Well, thank you. I was asked by uh, Kat to talk on personal transformation, and I spoke to her, and I said, well, I don't really know exactly how to do this. And so I sat down in front of my computer and started typing and come up with four steps that have worked for me. And so we're going to just take that approach that you're going to do this is just my approach it's one person's approach and it may or may not work for you but for me it has worked uh the, the best possible way so here we go it really started back in the early 1970s uh, when i read a book entitled nine chains of the moon uh by buck Mr. fuller it was first published by bucky in 1938 yet the information and his writing style was something I'd never seen before. Was I was stunned. And I later started, as I started studying who he was, he's been known around the world as the friendly genius and people call him Bucky. And when this book was written, Bucky made the observation that if the world population of humans, Bucky called them Earthians, uh, were stood on top of one another, it would create nine chains from the earth to the moon and back. So that's where he came up with the name Nine Chains to the Moon. In this book, Bucky induced the concept of ephemeralization. It was his term for the process of doing more and more with less and less. He predicted that ephemeralization would lead to the ever-increasing standards of living and that ever-growing populations would be able to live much, much higher than they are even today. And he pointed out that the king's Even 50 years ago, no matter how much money you had, you can't live as well as the average person is now because of the medical cares, and this all comes from ephemeralization. And in the book, this is, now you understand, written in 1938, and he was talking about abundance, and we had this option to have abundance. He pointed out that Henry Ford's a 7 line and then he got into into, uh, Einstein's theories on mass and energy, and he said that all this led to and penalizations that would have better products at lower costs with no upper bound on our productivity. And Bucky was amazing. He said, we now have the option for everyone to live abundantly if we're willing to cooperate. And I just was stunned. Since I really didn't know who he was, I just happened to read his book. You know, it started basically a decade odyssey of mine where I followed Bucky around, and I just suggested everything he had to say. I had made my... Uh, enough money, more than enough money to travel, and uh, in my real estate business, and so I started following him around. And what I found out, he started calling himself a, a comprehensivist, in that he was interested in everything. And Bucky was not only the friendly genius; he was also the acknowledged inventor and designer. Bucky made his mark as an architect, as a, in mathematics, and philosophy, religion, urban development and design, naturalism, physics, neurology, art literature, and technology. It was amazing because during his lifetime, he demonstrated what one person could do change the world. Bucky is generally considered the grandfather of the green movement. He gave us the world's first green automobile in 1933. It was called the Dymaxium Car. And he is the inventor of the geodesic dome, the world's largest self-supporting structure. He also was friends with Albert Einstein, John Denver, and John Lennon. They were his friends. What's interesting, if you look at his life in a whole, okay, he was awarded 25 U.S. patents. He authored 28 books. He received 47 honorary doctorates in the arts, science, engineering, and humanities. He received dozens of major architectural and design awards, including the gold medal for the American Institute of Architects and the gold medal of the Royal Institute of British Architects. He created work um, that is, seen his art around the world and in many, many collections. And he went around the world 57 times, reaching millions of people. So the guy really, really pulled it off. But while all this made him impressive, Bucky had a very, very unpromising start. He was a heavy drinker. He was expelled from Harvard twice. He was a total failure of business. He lost his first child when she was four years old and nearly everything else. And so at 32, Bucky decided he was a worthless, penniless soul and he was going to kill himself. And he went to the shores of Lake Michigan and decided he was just going to swim out and let himself drown. And just before he jumped in the water, Bucky suddenly experienced himself suspended several feet above the ground, surrounded by sparkling light. He says, Time seemed to stand still. And then a voice spoke to him that changed the course of history and the course of his life. And the voice said, Bucky, you do not belong to yourself. You belong to the universe. You can rest assured that if you devote your attention and time to those of others, the universe will support you, always and only in the nick of time. Of course, Bucky was stunned by this directive from some mystical force. He just had no idea. He decided to take it very seriously. He began to refer to himself as guinea pig B for Bucky. And this was the beginning of an experiment that he conducted over the next 56 years, and to discover what a little penniless unknown individual might be able to do effectively on behalf of all humanity. So it was really interesting because I got to know him, and I mean I followed him around, and we had business schools every year, and he would come and spend the summer with us. And one summer in the 1980s, we were having our school was called Brooklyn Business School kirkwood Meadows, california and bucky was speaking on the importance of integrity he called integrity the new aesthetic and that we had to keep our integrity because we were transitioning to a great invisible world where that was being demonstrated and symbolized by the personal computer and so integrity was the essence of everything successful and you know since most of us agreed that we were there and there was you know it was a large crowd that we were listening to a composite of Newton, Copernicus, and Franklin, then Franklin, and that I wanted to have this all recorded, so I had arranged a reel-to-reel tape. Back then, we had reel-to-reel. We don't have what we have today. And we hired a person whose primary function was to capture Bucky's every word on tape. So as Bucky proceeded, I was overcome by the power of what he was saying, and I began to cry, and I remember thinking, thank God we are capturing this on tape so I can listen to it over and over again. And I finally sort of got back to the reality of the room i and were conscious of my surroundings. I looked over at the person responsible for capturing Bucky's utterings on the tape, and to my horror, he too was in a deep emotional state, and the real the going and we didn't get any of it. you know it was like you know like a dog's tail wagging against a chair, you know bam, 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 and it just was we didn't get any of it, And of course, you can imagine how I felt. Here's, you know, somebody, Copernicus speaking, and I didn't get it recorded. And I was horrified, and, you know, I mean, we were listening to what what Bucky called Earthian, the most significant Earthian of our century, and we had lost forever what he had said. And my reaction was a composite, as you can imagine, of anger and sadness and frustration. How could I have let this happen? And what happened after every session, I would walk Bucky back to his cottage, and and as I was walking back this day, he looked over, and he could see I was really upset. And he asked me what was wrong, and I told him what had happened. And he, it was amazing. He didn't have any, didn't bother him at all. He didn't see pays him at all. And he I got confused. He was just so calm. And I said, you can see why I'm so upset. And he quietly said, no matter. He says, God doesn't make mistakes. And, of course, I snapped back. I said, I know God doesn't make mistakes. I made the mistake. And this is the only time in my entire decade with Bucky that he ever seemed to get irritated. And then he turned and looked at me with a very stern voice. He said, Marshall, you didn't create the universe, and you are not running it. And the, and I just went, what do you mean I'm not running it? I mean, it, I, I thought I was running my universe. And, it, you know, it was, it, he says, everything is perfect. That's what Bucky said. I said, yeah, Right. And then, you know, so I, I, you know, I, I kept thinking, wait a minute, I'm not running, I, I think I'm at least running my universe. And so then I started to reflect, if this is perfect, then how could this mistake be perfect? And so I sat with several of my friends trying to understand what Bucky was talking about. How could my stupidity of letting this guy who went out like me uh, be perfect? How could my blunder be that perfect? Then what we realized that we were having a seven-day Future of Business presentation where Bucky was going to tell, uh, all, with everybody there, all that he'd learned in his lifetime. At this time, is near the end of his life. He died four years later. Uh, and so instead of just uh, taping it, which is what I was going to do, we chose to do a two-camera shoot.
1: And later on, in numerous
2: occasions, Bucky would say to me that the future business two-camera shoot was the most comprehensive comp- compilation of his learnings and perspectives that was ever captured, and it remained that at the end of his life. We have the most comprehensive uh, work of his, and uh, it would never have happened. We would never have had that two-camera shoot had that first piece not messed up, which I thought was messed up, was really a a wake-up call for me to realize what was about to happen was far more important. And so it all happened. So I started to get an experience right there that everything is perfect from the universe perspective, even if it may not be from my perspective. So whenever I go into reaction, I don't know if you know what a reaction is, but I, uh, my body goes into reaction. I mean, I, I know I don't make the best decisions. And, and I n- now know from this that I don't have the correct perspective. And so I know that I have to look at a bigger perspective. And Bucky was fond of saying to me, you know, you can study a caterpillar forever and never understand scenario butterfly. And if you're going to keep looking at the caterpillar, which is me, instead of looking at the bigger scenario, you're not going to see what's right there that you're supposed to learn. So, uh, you know, I just know how do I know when I'm in reaction? If whenever I'm laying blame, justifying or beating myself up or shame as I call it you know then I know that I am not optimally in control and I'm not in control of my thoughts and I don't see the bigger perspective so I have to jump somehow get out of those spaces before I can really understand I have to see a bigger perspective one of looking at it for that there are no mistakes and I've made, made a mistake and on one level but on the other level this is a huge learning and so uh i you know i just really got that from now on i can't act when i'm in lay blame justify or shame space so i i don't know what to do you know you know you know time helps time gives you a perspective and i can look at things and see it better and usually i have time so i don't have to react when i'm not in the good space but sometimes once Rarely is the case, but that I have to act right away, and I know I'm still in reaction. I have a couple of very trusted advisors who I consult, and if I'm still in a re- reaction after that, I'd ask one of those trusted advisors that they would represent me, and whatever they do is fine. I don't care what the answer, what they get will be better than what I'll get because I am in reaction, and it won't work out as well because they won't have the same reactive space. And so that's a habit I've taken, whereas. If I'm in reaction and I do not interact with the the party or the situation directly because it's I know I won't do a good job, so the first two principles I learned for Bucky are that integrity is the essence of everything long term, and that the primary reason uh you know that that I have not told the truth is because I wanted to seek acceptance or avoid rejection. I mean, there have been other times, but those are the primary areas when I want to seek acceptance or avoid rejection. Uh, and, and other times, and for for example, when I was living in New York City, uh, I you know I, when I was in New York City, I, I you know I hated New York City. I just didn't like it. It was very hard for me. I, it's too noisy, and everything seems to be, uh, you know, just really hard and. So one day I was making my trek to the closest Staples for supplies and I was only about eight blocks away. Uh, You know, it just was always very stressful. So after going to Staples and I got home, uh, I just happened to notice that I was in my bag. I had an extra cable, which I had bought, but I hadn't, it didn't show up on my um, receipt and it was a $24 cable. And of course, I went, Rats, you know, I got this cable that I didn't pay for that I meant to pay for, but they didn't somehow charge me. And so I started to justify and you know that I made a mistake. Uh, you know, that I uh, you know, and I you know, then and I you know, then I said that I didn't make it really. It was really made by the sales clerk and, you know, it was my good fortune, etc. But then when I realized I was justifying all this, it took me a couple of days. I said, you know, I'm responsible, my integrity's on the line here. I went got in the car and made my my trip back and made the hassle, you know, it was just a hassle to go back to the staple store. And when I got there I told the clerk, Look, I owe you twenty four dollars and I showed her the slip and showed her what I got. And as I was leaving the the clerk looked at me and said, You're so honest, the store appreciates what you've done and I remember commenting, you know, I didn't do it for the store, I did it for myself. And so I started to realize that how much, you know, this idea of integrity is been right inside of me that, you know, I can't live if it doesn't feel right. It, it doesn't, I, it, the cost of living, living with it, uh, it's just too high knowing that I had not paid for that. Every time I looked at that cable, I knew I wouldn't feel good. So I went back and paid. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's an accident that for Bucky, Ben Franklin, and Abe Lincoln and all their biographies, they all consider integrity to be the most important aspect of their success. And, you know, while I follow this habit, I can't boast much anywhere near the success of Franklin or Bucky or Abe. But, you know, I can attest to the internal success this has done for me, you know, that it has brought a deep sense of harmony from the way, you know, the way I live is that I just got to keep my integrity and don't go into reaction. You know, so so the second piece I understand is that, you know, the, the habit that the mistakes are not mistakes. They're just information. And if you look at the word mistake, it's really a mistake. You know, I have been staking on how the universe is operate. So a mistake actually is a learning experience. And so I have to every time things don't go the way I expect them or want them to, then I have to stop and look at where am I not having the right take on the universe and what have I got to learn here? The only time a mistake isn't a mistake is when somebody deliberately does something that They are trying to hurt or harm somebody else, and that's not a mistake. That's really a cunning behavior, and that's not what I'm talking about. And Bucky had written this book, this uh, essay, and it's called Mistake Mystique. And I want to just read uh, just a little bit of what he talks about in Mistake Mystique. And he says, Whatever humans have learned, it had to be learned as a consequence of only trial and error experience. Humans have learned only through mistakes. The billions of humans in history have had to make quadrillions of mistakes to arrive at the state where they now have 150,000 common words to identify the many unique and only metaphysical comprehensive nuances of experience. The number of words in the dictionary will always multiply as we experience the progressive complex of cosmic episodes of scenario universe making many new mistakes with a new set of unfamiliar circumstances. This provokes thoughtful reconsideration and determination to avoid future mistake-making under the latest given circumstances. This in turn occasions the inventing of a more decisive, effective word tool to cope with the newly familiar phenomena. And so when I finally got the mistakes are potentially very useful to me, and I started to analyze, they're very reliable. Successes are not anywhere near as reliable as mistakes. Because you can get successful, you get lucky. But a mistake is pretty clear, the cause and effect, and if you can get to that higher perspective. So, you know, that's what I started to do. I started to look at the, you know, how how am I personally responsible for this mistake? What can I learn here? You know, instead of being in reaction of laying blame, justifying and beating myself up, I started saying this didn't work when the place of personal responsibility how can I learn? What do I learn here? And it's been fabulous. So if I were looking at the importance of mistakes, my very first thing is integrity, okay? And the second one is really understanding, you know, the, the reactive space I'm in and that I'm not really learning about the mistakes that are going on. So whenever I'm in reaction, I know there's a mistake somewhere. Bucky further went on to say that humans were given a left foot and a right foot to make a mistake first to the left, then to the right, left again, and repeat. Between the over steering impulses, humans inadvertently attain the between the two desired direction of advance. This is not only the way humans work, it is the way the universe works. This is why physics has found no straight lines. It has found only physical waves in the universe, only waves. So when I can get into this non-reactive space, you know, I make much better choices, and the better choices I make, then, you know, this whole journey becomes much more meaningful and actually more fun and more elegant. So if you take the first one being basically keeping my integrity, the second step is is being able to profit and learn from my mistakes and, and from a place where I only get there if I can stay in the level of personal responsibility. And being able to stay personally responsible changes the whole thing. If I want to blame somebody, and a lot of times I want to, or the circumstance or whatever, and I am not learning what I'm supposed to learn. So that's the second piece. And the third piece uh, really has to do with having a higher social and moral purpose. You know, this perspective brings both uh, meaning and better results. It doesn't matter what you do. You can find a genuine higher meaning in your actions, and you know, if you do that, you're going to be much happier. And as Albert Schweitzer, he won the Nobel Prize in 1952 uh, for his philosophy on called reverence for life. He once said, "This is Schweitzer speaking." He says, "I don't know what your destiny will be, but you, but the one thing I know, the only ones among you who will really be happy are those who will have found a way to serve others." as far as the whole idea of of service and and a higher perspective. So, you know, when I started looking at this, um, I also started looking at performance behavior in in any sizable group. And it was interesting that you always find in a a group that's really less than 1% of people who do things very differently on a positive side and be very successful so if you take the group of all, any group, and I, and I was shocked, there's a small little group outside of the traditional bell curve that way, way outperformed the rest of them, and it's less than 1%. And when I was doing this with a chain of pharmacy chain, I don't want to mention the name, but, you know, that, again, it was less than 1%. And when I interviewed these people, they all had one thing in common. They had a higher social and moral purpose. So in the pharmacy chain, when I did this, you know, when I interviewed them and asked them, you know, what was it about their job? that made them, you know, so excited. And every one of them said that they, you know, the pharmacy saw themselves uh, to be part of the health response system of their community along with the doctors and the hospital and the, you know, fire engines and the, you know, uh, emergency vehicles, that they were part of the communities helping others. And so they had a sense of meaning in what they were doing. And then when you look at the ones that were lower performance, which were dramatically lower, when I interviewed them, they basically said that, you know, they saw themselves as filling prescriptions and, you know, peddling pills. And so it was. It, I was stunned. So then I even went to a fast food company, one that you would all know, I'm sure, and I did the same thing again and the same results, less than 1% of the group, however, and they expressed what they were doing in relationship to their community. These fast food people that were so successful and way outperformed the rest, Saw themselves as delivering high quality low cost food to individuals and families that were usually harried and often of lower income and these and the and just like the other other the pharmacy the the people in the fast chain food business, they uh, all saw themselves as basically flipping burgers or, or, or just getting some income to get through college so that you you could see that the key to the extraordinary performance had Nothing to do with the job, it had to do with their perspective of seeing themselves as a higher being of doing something of social significance and it struck me as as the single most important trait when you're doing whatever you're doing is to be able to see in a higher perspective of one that's in you know, a higher social and moral purpose so you know I'll, so operating with integrity, blind on my speaks to be reliable guidance system and that is you by not you know blame blame et cetera. And then having a higher social moral purpose was like the third step. So, you know, so there was one more step. And and this, again, comes right back to Bucky. And it's, just, it's about setting goals. And, and I, it's always bothered me. I don't like goals. I haven't liked them. And then what I finally realized was that it's not about the goal. And, it, in fact, whether or not I achieved the goal, it's almost irrelevant. Why? Because... What occurs along the way at 90 degrees of flight path of what I'm doing is far more important than reaching any goal. You know, Bucky used the example of the honeybee. He says the bee is very busy going after the nectar so it can make honey. However, from the scenario universe's perspective, it's that a bigger purpose is just to cross-pollinate the rooted botanicals with the pollen so that, you know, that what they're doing here is now... Making sure the vegetation you know continues, and so and that's always at 90 degrees with a flight path, and it, you know it is you know the it, so when they're going for the nectar, they're actually cross pollinating, you know, because what happens is the you know the pollen sticks to the bee's body, and you know, and I was thinking about that. In fact, if you could interview a a bee about its job, the bumblebee, and I like the word bumble because it bumbles along, you know that bumble comes from in the word there. It would probably tell you the bee would say, "Look, I could do a heck of a lot better job of getting this nectar if you could get rid of this uh, sticky stuff—the quote—the pollen that's all over me." So, see, the bee doesn't understand that what he thinks is after is the <laughs> is is after making you know honey. But and as, as Bucky said, humans are very are honey money-seeking bees that you know they're out getting the money. But what they're really doing is usually at ninety degrees or processionally to what they're doing so he said we we made all these armament things and we've inadvertently created through the side effects at 90 degrees knowledge on how to make and do more and more with less and less again it's called ephemeralization. so these processionary side effects are actually the main effects once you get that that where your head is only you we do it because where where you set goals so it isn't it you know it, it isn't it where you are so that you say, this isn't it, i got to get more money, or i got to do this, whatever. That just keeps you in motion. So, you know, humanity, according to Bucky now, has the option to take care of everybody so that we all can live at a higher standard of living than anyone is living now. And we've all done this is all, you know, through procession or, or basically at 90 degrees. So, almost all humans, I think, I, all the ones that I know anyway, have had the experience of heading towards a goal and being sidetracked by something else and never reaching the goal. That is the way the universe is designed. What may seem like a sidetrack to us is actually the main track that the scenario universe wants us to follow. And this only can happen if you're in motion. So in fact, you know, the the fact that we're designed that wherever we are it isn't it keeps Earthians in motion so that procession could take place. And I like to say the fact that that this isn't it is the way we think is the way we're wired that keeps us in motion. So this isn't it. Really, is it? So enjoy the rest of your life because you're going to have no matter where you are. It's never it. Because if it were it, then there'd be no procession. So basically, you know, it keeps us in motion. And what's really going on is we're going to be seeing out of the corner of our eye, and that's the procession. So it's really, really important that never to retire, because we've noticed that those who retire do not stay in motion and. It's statistically significant that the people who do not do much after retirement die much quicker than those who remain active and keep in motion. So procession is what's going on at the corner, out of the corner of the eye, and it makes your life much more interesting, at least for me. There are many pleasant surprises that happen along the way, and whether I not get to the goal that I thought I was going to really doesn't make much difference because it's fun along the way as long as I stay in motion. So the journey of one's life, at least for me, is very interesting as it unfolds and I can just watch and I, whenever I do something, I just can't wait to see what the procession will bring. So the four disciplines, okay, are, for me anyway, is to keep my integrity no matter what. Come from the space of being personally responsible. That means don't blame anyone else. Don't beat myself up and don't justify anything. Have a higher social moral purpose and then watch out of the corner of my eye for procession. So that's basically the four steps that I think have really transformed um, my life, and, and I continue to do it, and it's making everything very exciting. So now I want to turn it over now to the facilitator who's going to ask me some questions. Now, most of my answers are going to be really relating to these four things above that I just mentioned, integrity, responsibility, higher moral, social and moral purpose, and procession. So they may seem a little redundant because they are basically the four steps that I use, the four principles that I use that I think have totally changed my life. So, Kat, I'm back to you for questions.
0: All right. Thank you, Marshall. So the first question that we have is, how does one move forward to grow when each time I take a step,
1: it results in negative feedback? Well,
2: in Bucky's world, since everything is perfect there really is no negative feedback and what happens here is you've got to jump to the next level and look at it it's what is the lesson here what can i learn so that so if you see it as negative there's some sort of reactive space you're in so you have to get out of that so if you look at the four definitions is one is is basically dealing with you know that there are no accidents and everything's perfect, then how can this possibly be perfect? So negative isn't negative. It is just the universe scenario, universe, giving you feedback that you're not seeing what's going on out of the corner of your eye. So, you know, instead of seeing it as negative, just say what is... Be thankful and appreciative of what's going on and, and, and not try to, you know, not try to uh, uh, figure it out. I mean, I just recently... Had this idea there was a great company in uh, New Zealand that basically took dead logs and and from forests and pulled them out and made and then milled them and that made the forest much better and also it you know basically uh, could get all these logs for very little money and people could build with logs that were fallen and, and it seemed like a great business and it still is a great business and. Uh, we made an ag- agreement that in four months I would come back and spend a month and put the deming processes in with him. And the idea was to create a hundred of these plants around the world and, and, and make a huge difference, positive, for our forests. So we don't have to cut the trees down, et cetera. And when I got there, uh, it, the guy hadn't gotten. He hadn't got the plant was not up. It wasn't running. Had a bunch of people coming to learn how to do this. And, you know, my brain went into reaction. And he could have called and told me he didn't have it done, but he didn't. And so now I've flown, and not only had I flown from the United States to New Zealand, but I'd also um, basically took, cleared my debt for a month to be there. And, you know, so I could see the, my body went into reaction. But the guy's a really good man, and I really like him a lot. And I'm sure he was doing the best he could. And so I just had to look at, you know, the... Great Spirit had a bigger plan for me, did not want me to spend the month there, and I was just had to embrace it and and in the future make sure that I had a check sheet to, before I ever cleared the deck for a month. And, and what happened, of course, I've been back and everything is just exploding here, and that month became a very, very productive one, not in New Zealand. Yet at the time I had, quote, quote, lots of reasonableness around that this was not right what was going on here. So the whole point here is stepping back and seeing it as a gift rather than seeing it as, you know, somebody screwed up and then I'm a victim or whatever instead of being honoring the other person who is a great guy uh, you know, it totally shifted my perspective and I'm thankful that it didn't happen and what's happening now is so far beyond that. And, and this, there's an interesting thing that's out now, and I think people have heard of, you know, uh, basically post-traumatic stress syndrome, and, and and there is a thing that's equally, and that's even bigger, that's called post-traumatic growth syndrome, and that when you get into some sort of trauma, the difference between going into stress and, and becoming, you know, caught in that stress, you can go into growth, which and the only way you can get into that growth is to take personal responsibility. Don't lay blame. And 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 what happens is when you get into post traumatic growth, those who see themselves as a person responsible and learn from it grow way way faster and way higher. The trajectory moves much much faster. And the only difference between the two is that one you know gets caught in the stress, and the other one commits to learning as much as they can and grows that much faster. So that. We call it Hydra, H-Y-D-R-A, and if you know the the old Greek myth about the Hydra, where you cut off one head, two grow, and what happens, of course, is that you, you get stronger. So Hydra means getting stronger. So every time now that I have a setback, I just go, I'm going to go Hydra. And this is a Hydra, potentially, as long as I don't blame anybody else or lay blame. So the idea of going Go Hydra, Go Hydra, which means grow another head, get stronger, get more uh, able, and so that's sort of what happens now. And so I wouldn't say there are negative feedback. I would say it's 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 all positive, and you've got a chance to get stronger when you get that type of feedback.
1: Well, great. Question. Are you ready okay. for the next question?
2: Yeah, I'm ready. All
0: right. Uh, so the next one is, how do I attract positive, ambitious people who want to change the world and uh, better life for themselves into my life? I want to transform into a person who makes the world a better place every day.
2: You know, Bucky, as I pointed out earlier, said there are no straight lines in the universe. And you you are going to go through, you know, ups and downs with the type of people. But eventually, the ones that are going to stick are the ones that are attracted to your perspective. And, you know, I know the the book there was a whole thing out on the law of attraction. And while I agree the law of attraction does work, it's not the only step, and it's not even the first step. So the secret is not the law of attraction. It, it starts with action. See, without action, there is isn't no attraction. So what I do is I would recommit myself to, you know, being around people, you know, have you know, this type of positive um, space and want to go to it. And, and you're going to, you know, it's not going to be a straight line. And what will happen is, the people you do start to attract. For instance, when we were this course in the, at J.C.'s uh, we had at Versailles on leadership. I called up a couple of good friends of mine over the last twenty years. Both of them who have made fortunes, and and they both flew out. One of them in the private jet, and and they were there, and they, you know they deepened the experience at such a level and I think that the course would have been half or a quarter of as good as it was. And so these people have been attracted over the years. I've kept my integrity. I don't lay blame. They're my trusted friends, and now they're flying in to do this as a request. This long process, I wouldn't have been able to pull those people together. They will show up. What you have to do is just stay committing to these four uh, basic principles and eventually you'll start surrounding yourself and you'll be crowded with the people who who think like you and who want to play and who want to support you and your success. So you will attract them. They, they'll they be positive, they'll be ambitious and they will be aligned with you and wanting to change the world. you just going to take some time. It doesn't happen overnight and the law of attraction requires you to stay following the four disciplines that I mentioned and you know allow the attraction because the people that are not fitting with your principles will disassociate yourself or you'll disassociate yourself with them. Okay, next question.
0: All right, next question is, what are some of the strategies to keep the momentum going after a breakthrough or transformation?
2: Well, for me, I have a mantra that I use, uh, you know, so that, you know, since there are no straight lines, there are you know 50% of the days that you live are going to be below the average. So you, what you want to do is move the average by having a lot of great days. And so I have this mantra that I use, and I and whenever something feels like a setback or it's not going or the waiter is not giving me the type of food I want or something, I just take a deep breath and and is what I say: I say everything is perfect. I just have to see it from a different, higher perspective. I see that if I can just stay with my integrity and my personal responsibility, stay committed to a higher social moral purpose and watch for the answer as it flashes in the corner of my eye, it's going to happen. So I just stop and say, everything is perfect. And then I have to then go, you know, where is my integrity? Where is, you know, my personal responsibility? So I'm not in reaction. Did I properly speak to the waiter? Did I not make myself clear, et cetera? And so I start realizing all of these things. Just being able to say that, you know, that keeps the momentum going. And, you know, and and transformation is amazing because it'll come out of the corner of your eye and be shocked at what can happen. Okay, next question.
0: All right, so the next question is about pulling yourself back into alignment. She wants to know, is there a process uh, or is it just a decision?
2: I think it's both. And and I think the decision is starts with saying, you know, everything is perfect. And even though at the moment you may be in reaction and you're gonna say, you know, yes, this is not perfect. But if I can just say everything's perfect, I just can't see it right now. What is it I'm not seeing that will make it perfect? If I can do that and just stay in that space, and there's a thing called the perturbation, which means that it's perturbation is when you get upset, quite often that leads to the next level, a higher level of order of thinking. In fact, it's really how people learn how to to read and how people learn how to do anything new requires going through some sort of frustration and upset. And I know that for me that when I'm in that perturbative state, it's very difficult at the time to think that this is a good space. But actually, that perturbation is actually leading me to a much higher level and If I can allow that, in fact, they did some studies where they've shown that people whose brain, they put their brain waves working together, and what they were able to show is that, that we have this thing called phase lock, and then we have the space in between phase lock, which is sort of like when you take an AM radio and you move it from one station to the next, there's a space in between the uh, the stations, and that sort of <coughs> that you hear in there is is really the perturbation. and. The interesting fact from the the study was that the people who could stay longer in that perturbation space or that noise state which is not on which is not in phase lock which is doing that <laughs> the smarter they are in fact, for every millisecond longer you can stay in that perturbation and stay in it the you know the i q points go up you know almost ten points, so the idea behind it is that start to love that space rather than try to get out of it. You know, when you're rich, fat, and happy, and doing nothing, you know, there's not the perturbations not there. And while it may feel good, it's not going to be satisfying, and it's just really not going to allow you to uh, get back in alignment. So, for me, that embracing of the theory of dissipative structures and being comfortable in the space of uh, of that noise has, I think, greatly attributed to the breakthroughs I've had in my life. Next question.
0: Wonderful. This one uh, comes from Las Vegas. She wants to know, uh, she says, I feel like I have been going through some transformation for a long time and currently embarking on even bigger changes in my life now. I want to know some of the best tools to utilize to get me past my fears and to keep going.
2: Well, if everything's perfect, then fears are ridiculous. I mean, but it's easy to say... Fears are ridiculous, but they're going to be there. But it's not the fear; it's 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 the uh, what it does to your ability to uh, take action. You know, and you know, I mean, I you know, over the years, when I went to law school, I didn't like law school. In fact, I didn't even go to class, and or very seldom. And I have still have now. This is law law school was a long, long time ago. I still have this dream that I'm walking into law school, and they say the exam is starting, and I realize but I thought the exam was not until a week later and I hadn't studied anything. I haven't read anything. I'm going to fail miserably. And I mean, that dream has been around, you know, three decades, okay, four decades. And, you know, I, I can't get rid of it, but you know, it's now become an old friend and I can, when I wake up and I start laughing about it, it doesn't have the power it used to have. You know, I just realize that, you know, I'm not in law school anymore and I got through without reading the books and I passed the bar and et cetera et cetera and it might have been better if I'd taken the courses but the whole idea is that dream has to deal with the fear of failure and I just you know it's probably helped me more than it's hurt me and getting irritated at it now instead of making my friend, which I've done now, I sort of you know so old and has whiskers, but, you know, I just I started laughing as said, Oh, there you are, hi old buddy you know, uh, uh, it just doesn't have the effect that it used to have on me. So that's what that's I would great. recommend. Is you know, I, I just don't think they're going to fear. Fear is really, you know.
1: That's great. It, it
2: stops it. Okay, go ahead.
1: No, I said that's uh, great.
2: Okay, thanks. All right, so I, that's that, that's the best I can say. I mean, I don't try to get rid of them. You know, just uh, that's try as a booby prize anyway. Just. Embrace it and, 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 and get just don't let it have its power. You know, feel it and just laugh at it and do it anyway. you got to stay in motion. Okay, I'm ready for okay. the next one.
0: All right, we've got a, uh, another one here. Uh, any suggestions or tips to use when confronted with the daily challenges that can trigger old habits? Uh, she says, is there any clue or tip to keeping on track with way of thinking in a world that challenges
2: us daily well I think the SCI seminars does it brilliantly I mean these are when I was with the 60 something people that were out there uh, these are very special people and I think that they've done an awful lot of work on themselves and they do develop new habits and these habits come from SCI seminar work I mean they're just and, and and they bring forth some of these old habits and 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 so my test that I use now is when my body starts to contract and I can feel that I'm in reaction and, you know, I want to blame somebody or I want to justify something or I want to beat myself up. See, I know those are not the right spaces. And once I start to be awake to these things that are happening and don't allow them to take over, and I think the best possible starting point, at least for me, would be to take the side courses and get through all of those because the people that were presented at that course that I was with bill and, and 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 Joel, and all three of us said these are the best representatives of humanity that we've ever seen, and that you really get um, overwhelmed that of the potential that people have and so I would recommend that they start by getting through those courses and then they'll notice when they're in reaction and then don't don't act walk away. I mean, Abe Lincoln did it all the time. I mean, Abe Lincoln, he would be really upset with one of his generals or whatever. And he would sit down and compose a very harsh letter and, and, and express all his emotions and then he'd put the letter in the drawer and then a week later he'd read it and he never sent the letter because <laughs> he knew that those letters were not the optimal way to move forward.
1: It's true. It's so true, Marshall. So, that go to that.
2: I, I, this is not supposed to be a side commercial. So, I, but I honestly, the, the quality—if you're looking for quality people—they're that's they're there. I mean, you want to surround yourself with good people. I mean, it's really—I mean—the next frontier is consciousness, and you know, no matter where you go, there you are. And I know lots of very, very, very uh, financially successful people who are very unhappy, and they're not people who who have dealt in the world of consciousness and awareness and, and i think that that frontier is you know the place to start you know, and money is easy to make once you understand the simple rules of it but it starts first and it's much easier once you're conscious and
1: take the uh-huh. side
2: courses so that's what i would do
1: hey marshall do you think that we should do another class together
2: <laughs> it's up to you you invite yeah. me i'll show up if you invite me i'll show up
1: well, you know, I was going to put it out to these people that are listening today that would like to do, um, I mean, the people there have all written me and they want to do another class. And So if if you're out there and you want to go to a Marshall Serber class, and believe me, I traveled around for four years where he was teaching um, because I thought that he was the most transformational teacher that I'd ever met, and, you know, I've been in this kind of transformational work for a while oh god 40 years i mean we're coming up to our 40th anniversary so um i i found marshall and i just i couldn't believe the things that he opened up in my mind that that i had never thought about and if you're interested in doing a a, a, like a four or five day class with marshall um let me know about it because we can put that together and you know, Marshall, um, having you on this call, some of these people don't realize um, who you are. So I'd like them to, to put into Google search Marshall Thurber, T-H-U-R-B-E-R, and read about this man because he's um, he has done some brilliant things in his life, just brilliant. Um, he was with Buckminster Fuller for a long time and gained so much from his brilliance. And he was with Edward Deving, who changed how Japan is. So um, go to Google and read about this man. And um, I hope that they are enjoying you. Do you have another question, uh, Well,
2: we're, we're running up to the time limit. I don't want to go over, but I'm totally willing okay. to answer the rest of them if you want. It's up to you, Kat. You let me know when you want to stop.
0: Uh, Well, you know, we actually are running out of time. Um, If you uh, want to do kind of a wrap-up of uh, your four steps to personal transformation, why don't you kind of do a a piece to wrap up all of what we've gone through? That's good. Okay, well, great.
2: Basically, the first thing is, you know, stay with your integrity. You know, whenever I want to lie, you know, I just realize I'm looking for acceptance or trying to avoid rejection and that I know that, that lying eventually is gonna come back to hurt me. And I, so I've done my very, very best to explain and and from a space of personal responsibility, in other words, that it's just is not right for me. I don't make the other person wrong. Right now in my relationship, you know, um my sweetheart is is very um not well and, you know, she wants me to be more assertive and and um help her and, you know, I just don't like to nag anybody, and even though I it scares the de- really scares me that she's not behaving like she should. And, uh, you know, I, so it's hard for me to get into your space, but what I want to do is make sure I keep my space w- with integrity, and I'm doing my best to support her so that she will realize that she's still ill and she needs help. And I can see the struggle I've had because the discipline of mine is to, make sure I keep my integrity and, and, and give you the space to make your own choice. So, but if you can own that space, that would be the first space I would go to. The second one is that I have to look at if I'm going to learn the most from the situation, even though I may not out there, I look like I'm responsible. I have to come from the space of, uh, if I'm responsible, which I am here, what, you know, you know, what am I learning here? If I lay blame, justify, or beat myself up, I'm not being responsible. So one of my definitions for communication, communication is the response I get. It doesn't matter what I, you know, if they're not responding the way I want to, it's not their fault. They're not stupid. I just have not communicated in the way they get it. And that has been an incredible discipline for me To to whenever something is, not going the way I thought it, I communicated it, then I can't blame them. I have to look at how did I communicate it because I'm not getting the response I want and I have to change the way I communicate so I get the response I want. So when, if you say communication is the response I get and if I'm getting a response I don't want, then I have to realize that behavior has to change on my side and that usually starts with a change of perspective. And the, And the third one is that if you're not serving I mean, J.C. spent 40 years serving humanity, and, you know, she look how beautiful she looks. She looks, you know, 20 years younger than her age, you know, to me, and, you know, I'm stunned that she's actually older than I am, and I feel like I'm the oldest guy around, and 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 she's done that with such equanimity and beauty, and she looks beautiful, and so she has all of those things, and I really think much of that comes from that higher emotional purpose that she has. She just... Moral purpose, she's just a beautiful being. The last one is, hey, look, we don't run this universe, so what's going to happen is just get in gear, get in motion, make your commitments, and then watch out of the corner of the eye for the opportunities that are there. Take the blinders off. Take the blinders off. Once you take those off, you know, you're know you going to see opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And don't worry, we can share how to make all the money you want to make because money is great to have and it's convenient, and I'm not belittling it but it doesn't make you happy it's the higher social and moral purpose and you get there by watching what the universe is providing at 90 degrees to the direction you're going and, and start moving towards those things and life will change just like what it's done for i mean jc changed millions of lives i guess indirectly for sure and and and, and you can see the beauty in it in, and in with surely so they've got they've done it and they continue to do it and I think they're living examples of, of, of all of these four principles. That's it for me. <laughs> oh, that's a mouthful. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> mouthful. Okay. When do we start doing <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway? So I really appreciate you, JC and and I Ty, love you, and, Marshall. And, and I thank you so much. Take care.
1: I love you, baby. Wonderful. Thank, thank you, you so much. So great to
0: have you on the call. I mean, what a treat for everyone, for all the graduates on the call and everyone who's joining us tonight. Uh, thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you for listening in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the call and uh, have some new tools to move you forward in the pursuit of your dreams and goals. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss next month's call. It's scheduled for Tuesday, June 11th, and the topic is Wealth and Abundance. You can register now at psiteleseminars.com. Now, just because the call's over doesn't mean the conversation's got to end. So head on over to facebook.com forward slash PSI Seminars and share your thoughts on personal transformation and what you got out of the call and how you're going to implement this in your life. So we want to hear from you. We'd love having your input. And as you may or may not know, we post live updates during the call on Facebook. And for those of you who are new to PSI Seminars and would like to find out more about the Sci-Basic or any of our advanced courses, you can go to psiseminars.com where you'll find information about all of our courses as well as the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's psiseminars.com. Again, thank you for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. Have a great night.